I had a dream the other night, and it was so weird, it was so strange, I, I just knew that I had to tell you about it. In the dream, I was here in the church building by myself, and, and some people came in. And there were just a few of us. In fact, some of you who attend church here were, were in that crowd. And, and so I started backing up. I wanted to make sure I gave everybody a little room and was trying to keep, maintain six feet of distance between everyone. I ended up backing myself out into the hallway. And when I got to the hallway, there was a whole line of people out there waiting for a potluck. And you know what my reaction was? My reaction was, we're not supposed to do this. We're not supposed to be here, and I've got to get out of here. You know the world has gone crazy if I'm afraid of a potluck, right? I mean, you know that things are bad if I'm afraid of a potluck. We're social creatures. You go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, and it tells us it's not good for man to be alone or woman to be alone for that matter. And yet this this social distancing we've got going on, standing six feet apart, at least six feet apart, avoiding gatherings, missing some of our favorite people. You know, I, I asked the question on Facebook this week, who's the first person you want to see when this is all over? And, and I got some great replies. And some of you said your grandkids. Some of you said your grandparents. Some of you said your kids. Some of you said your best friends. Uh, uh, one person said they couldn't wait to see their pastor again. I thought that was wonderful. A friend of mine said, I don't care who it is, as long as they have a dog and they let me pet the dog. <laughs> I thought that was wonderful also. For me, I, I can't wait to see my daughter Megan and her husband Ryan again. Can't wait to see my best friends. We've been trying to stay in touch through text messages and, and getting together on Zoom, but it's, it's just not the same. This year at Kansas Christian Church, we've committed to going through the Gospel of Luke. And as we've gone, gone through the Gospel of Luke, we've looked at these words, encounter and engage, because that's what Jesus did all the way through the Gospel of Luke, except, except for one time. One time when he didn't encounter someone and didn't engage that person. There's one time where Jesus maintained social distancing you know, there's a story in Luke about a man who, who never met Jesus, and yet he comes away changed. His life is never the same again. And even more, Jesus lifts this man up. He holds this man up as an example to all of us, an example of faith. Someone that each of us could look to, could learn something from, someone in whom we see something that we need in our own lives. We find this man's story in Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. You know, last Sunday was Easter. I don't know if you know that, but that's kind of a big deal to preachers. We like to think of it as, as, our, as our world series. You know, it's that Sunday where we want to do our best, we want to give our best, we want to see a big crowd, we want to see a lot of excitement. And yet this, this room was empty. This room was empty on, on Sunday morning last week. And yet at the same time, according to our Facebook stats, over the course of last week, including Easter Sunday, we engaged over 3,000 people 
through the videos that we put up on, on Facebook and YouTube, through the, the ways that we interacted with people, through those, through those online services, we engaged over 3,000 people. And some of those people are ones who, who would never find themselves in a building like this. Some of those people are the ones who say things to me like, I can't come to church. If I came to church, the roof might fall in. If I came to church, the place might burn down. <laughs> we already did that. Maybe, maybe that's you. Maybe you're someone who's never really been comfortable in a church, and yet you have found a place of comfort and a place to belong right here online during, during this time. And if that's you, let me introduce you to this man in Luke chapter 7. I think you'll appreciate him. Luke begins in chapter 7, verse 1. After he, that is, after Jesus, had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick to, to the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house... The centurion sent friends saying, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. But therefore, I did not presume to come to you. But say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. Or to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, I say, do this, and, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. Did you notice in the story, the man never encountered Jesus? Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you feel like Jesus has always been just, just outside of your reach. I want to assure you today, whether you recognize it or not, you have worth to Jesus. You are valuable to him. I feel like I need to give you a little background on this man and, and this particular incident here in, in Luke's gospel. This man is an outsider. We, we see that by the way he acts, and, and he knows he's an outsider. He's not a Jew, so he's not part of that community. He is a Gentile, and he's not just a Gentile. He's a Roman. He's not just a Roman. He's a Roman soldier. He's a Roman officer. He is a centurion. Centurion means that he had at least a hundred men under his command. And he himself, he takes orders from those who are higher up. In fact, one thing that, that we shouldn't miss is that the Jews had been conquered and ruled by the Romans. The Jews were living in subject to the Romans. And this man, he's part of that rule. His community felt it. He 
felt it. He knew that as far as he was, as far as the Jews were concerned, he was the enemy. And yet this man isn't a monster. I mean, you, you see that in the whole reason he sends, to, he sends for Jesus. Verse 2 says, Now a centurion had a servant who was sick at the point of death who was highly valued by him. This isn't just a servant. This, this person is precious to him. This person is highly valued. This servant is a friend. And this man loves him. And, and he's taken ill. He's, he's sick. He's to the point of death. And the man wants to see him healed. And the Jewish people, the Jewish people were not just subjects to Rome, to him. He loves their community. He values their community. And so he sends the elders, he sends the community leaders, the elders of the Jews to Jesus. And I want you to hear what these men say about this outsider. They say in verse 4, he is worthy, he is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. This man loved the Jewish people. The, the Jewish people loved him. They, he contributed to their needs. He built their synagogue. It would be like building a church for us. And yet he doesn't see himself as worthy of encountering Jesus. He doesn't think he's worthy to have Jesus come under his roof and heal his servant. You know, by, by the standards of the Jewish purity laws, this man was unclean. And by his position in the Roman army, he is the enemy. He knows his place is not with them, but he doesn't know Jesus yet. You know, one, one chapter earlier in Luke chapter 6, we have Jesus' sermon on the level place. We looked at that last month. Jesus' sermon on the level place. And it's there in that sermon where everyone is standing on the same level, on the same plane, and it's Jesus' way of telling us that we're all equal before him. We're all equal before God. No one is higher than anyone else. And it's there in the Sermon on the Level place where Jesus said these words, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. That's the heart of Jesus right there. That's the call to love your enemies. And you know, that call isn't just for us. It, we hear it as a challenge for ourselves sometime. It's also for those that think that they're our enemies, who think that they are outsiders. It's for those who feel like outsiders, who feel like they don't belong. It is to let them know that they are loved. You know, in Jesus, those who are on the outside, are always welcome on the inside. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 31, Jesus says this, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. Those people in our lives that we've, that we've just written off, that we've written off because of their mistakes, we've written off because of the ways that they have failed, Sometimes we write them off because of where they're from. Let's be honest, sometimes we write people off because of their families. God desires them. God desires to use them. Jesus 
desires to engage them and to use them in amazing ways. And, you know, maybe worst of all, it's not someone else you've written off. Maybe, maybe you've written yourself off. Maybe you've written yourself off and feel like you're just, you're not worthy to Jesus. But he values you. You have something to offer. You have something to give. And maybe, maybe someone needs to show you that. How do we do that? How do we do that for our friends who feel like they're not worthy? Or maybe our friends who feel like they're not welcome in a place like this? We do it by building a bridge to Jesus for them. This man, this centurion, he knew that he was an outsider. He believed he had no access to Jesus. But at the same time, it's the elders of the Jews, the Jewish elders who say, this man loves our nation. He has done so much good for us. They had a term for people like that, people who were on the outside and yet somehow were finding their way closer and closer to the Jewish people. They called them God-fearers. God-fearers were those who respected the faith and the worship of the Jews, who loved the, the God that we love and worshiped as best that they could. But they were still treated like outsiders. They were still treated as unclean because of the, of the laws, the Jewish laws of cleanliness. They, they wouldn't be allowed to enter their homes. They wouldn't be allowed to share a meal with them. That was the rule of the religious people. But look at this man's rule. This man's rule is that he cares for his servant so much, he values his friends, he values the people of God. Can we, can we write off a person like that? I think one thing you and I need to recognize is there are still God-fearers out there today. There are people we know, I can think of several that I know, who are serving God, who are honoring God. They worship as best they know how. They, they pray, they give. I can tell you, they give. Many of you know people like that. They're your friends. They're, they're good friends. Boy, you wish they'd come to church with you. You wish they would come to church. You wish they would take that next step and take the plunge and be all in for Jesus. Ah, but right now, Right now, they're in your lives because Jesus wants them in your lives. And Jesus wants you in their lives. Your friendship with them is valuable. And it's valuable to Jesus as well. I think one of the best ways that we show people how they are valuable is to invite them to serve with us. One of the things I love about our church, one of the things I love about Kansas Christian Church is we have people that we value here, people that we love here who haven't, who haven't quite found their place with Jesus yet, but they found a place with us. They love to serve. They, they love to volunteer. And we give them a place where they can be useful. Some of them don't know what they believe yet, but they know where they belong, and that's a wonderful place to start. I believe something amazing happens when we serve and when we serve together. In fact, Jesus tells us as much. Something amazing happens when we serve. 
Back in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells this wonderful story about the sheep and the goats, and he divides the sheep from the goats. What makes the difference? It's what they've done that makes the difference. The sheep, they are the ones who have fed the hungry. They are the ones who have cared for the sick. They have clothed the poor. They have visited those who are in prison. And what does Jesus say to them? He says, inasmuch as you did that, inasmuch as you cared for the very least of these, you cared for me. When you did that, when you cared for other people, you were really caring for me. And then he says, come and enter your rest. Come and, come and inherit the kingdom that has been prepared for you. And what we find is that caring for other people is really the best way to love Jesus. And when we invite other people to serve, other people to care, other people to be a part of what we're doing, we are building a bridge from them to Jesus. And this is where we need to keep our eyes and our hearts open. We need to allow our friends and we need, we need to allow God to surprise us. We need to look for faith in unexpected places. And we need to look for faith from unexpected people. This man's friends tell Jesus that he is worthy. But what's most important is what Jesus says about this man. What does Jesus say about this man that he never met? In verse 9, Jesus says, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. Jesus has never seen faith like this man's. This man who had written himself off, this man who others saw as an outsider, as, as unworthy or undeserving. And Jesus marvels at his faith. I believe that if you give people a place to belong, if you give people a place to be useful, you give people a place to serve, you will show them their true worth. They will see things in themselves that they've never allowed themselves to see before. And, and as Jesus says with the sheep and the goats, they will encounter Jesus as they are serving others. Our job, the church's job, is to find ways to build those bridges, to find ways to invite them across, to find ways to engage them with Jesus. I don't think I'm telling you anything you don't already know, but I love food. <laughs> I love restaurants. I love to go different places and, and try, different, try different foods in different restaurants. One of the best places I've ever been is a place in Louisville, Kentucky. It's called The Table. In fact, the week before I was there, the guys from diners, drive-ins, and dives were there to film at the same location. They were filming at the, at the table the week before I showed up to eat there. I got to tell you, that restaurant, The Table, is in a bad part of town in Louisville. It's a place that's overrun with poverty. As I was there, and I was there in November, I saw drug addicts sleeping on the sidewalks as we were driving up to the restaurant. And then you get to the table, and the table is a first-class gourmet restaurant with amazing food, but an even more amazing mission. Because you see, anybody, anybody can eat at the table. Even if you have no money, 
You, if, even if you just woke up on the street and need a meal, you can eat there. How do you eat there? They'll put you to work. You can, you can wash dishes. You can sweep floors. You can even wait on customers. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. Everyone has a place to feel valuable there. And their mission very simply says, everyone has a seat at our table. You know, that's a mission for every Christian. And that's a mission for every church. Everyone has a seat at our table. Wouldn't it be something if we provided people with a place to serve? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we provided people with a place to use their talents, use their abilities, use the things that they already love to do to serve others, to, to serve the community? And then through doing that, they, became, they came to understand that they were really serving Jesus. We built that bridge with them. What would Jesus say about that kind of faith? I think he would marvel at that. The centurion sent his friends to Jesus because his servant was sick and was dying. He loved his servant. And the very best thing he could think to do for his servant was to bring him to Jesus. And at the end of the story, there's healing. The very last verse, verse 10 says, And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. <laughs> healing by social distancing. I mean, that's what we're all shooting for right now, isn't it? Healing by, by social distancing. The impact of Jesus was felt. Jesus brought healing and wholeness. And with it, he brought faith. And with it, he brought joy. You know, I think, I think there's someone in your life today who Jesus marvels. Jesus longs to marvel at their faith, at the faith that they can have in, in what they believe that they can do for him, in how Jesus can use them, their faith in how Jesus can transform them and, and transform their self-worth but it's going to take a friend who builds a bridge to Jesus, a friend who invites them to encounter Jesus. And you know, maybe it's not a friend. Maybe it's you. Let me assure you of something. Right now, the word essential gets thrown around an awful lot. Who's essential? Who's not essential? What jobs are essential? Let me tell you, you are essential. And even now, there are ways to serve, ways to give of your time, ways to give of your talents. Jesus longs to show you your worth. He longs to marvel at your faith if you'll just give him a chance. Here in a moment, I, I want to invite you. We're going to have one last song, and I want to invite you. If you've got communion prepared, I'd invite you to take that with us. As we prepare our hearts to do that, let me have a prayer for us. Let's pray. Father, I want to pray for my friends who are watching. Lord, wherever they are, not only geographically, but wherever they are in their hearts, I pray they would know their worth. They might feel unworthy, they might feel lost, they might feel far from you, and yet you long to marvel at their faith. Lord, I, I pray that we would be bridge builders, 
that we would welcome people as a way to build a bridge to you. I pray we would care and serve and connect so that others can find their way to you. And Lord, for those who are partaking today, for those who have prepared the the cup and the loaf, Lord, it reminds us not just of the body that was broken and the blood that was shed. It reminds us that everyone has a seat at your table. And I pray that the way we love each other will build that bridge, will bring them to you, will bring them to your table, that through the way that we love them, that they would find a place at your table. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Go in peace.